Thanks for joining me on the TronCast with Tron Jordheim. It is my pleasure to have you here. I have a lot of fun doing these podcasts because I get to talk to a lot of interesting people. You know a lot of interesting people too, I bet. I know I sure do, and sometimes I just have no idea about some of the interesting things they're up to until I pin them down and talk to them. Sometimes it's folks I've been acquainted with for a long time even. And then I get to make some new friends from all around the planet, hearing about interesting projects and businesses and things that people are doing. So I hope you enjoy it as well. Uh, There are a few commercial messages in here because, you know, got to get paid. So enjoy and thanks for joining me on the TronCast and tell your friends to download it and check it out too. Thank you. Thanks for coming back to the TronCast. Uh, I'm here today with uh, Dr. Aaron Smith, and we're going to talk about STEM and education and schools and fun things like that, because somebody's got to run this planet someday, and it's probably going to be the kids. I don't know who else is going to do it. I'm going to be too old, Aaron. So what are we, gonna, what are we doing? What, what do you think? Well, I think there's a lot of things we can do. I, I think, first of all, we've got to bring some awareness that the STEM is the new economy. And, you know, we have to stop looking at things in isolation and start looking in the new era from, you know, looking at products and critical thinking to really innovation. That's, that's really where the new millennial is taking us. Well, right. That makes sense. Uh, I've uh, got a couple of kids and we've been through all kinds of schooling experiences, mostly good, sometimes great, sometimes less than great. Um, and, you know, I see what goes on around us. Uh, we're having school board elections in my town this week and uh, everybody's kind of struggling a little bit. And I know you, you recently came up with, out with your second book which you described to me earlier as really a dream about what education could look like. Yes. I paint us a little picture of that because, you know, all, all good things start with a solid dream or at least an interesting mm-hmm. dream, right? It does. It, it does. Um, well, the, the backstory to it is I had just finished my first book called uh, Awakening Your STEM School. And as a, a friend of mine, we were just sitting down and having a beer because, you know, great things happen when alcohol is involved. That's right. Um, so, and, and you know, that is so many ways we could go there. But getting back to the story, you know, he says, what are your next intentions? I said, I'm going to write another STEM book. And he looked at me funny, cocked his head. He said, why are you writing another cookbook? And I looked at him. I was like, what are you talking about? He says, you can do so much more. You see things that people can't see. And we need a champion out there, somebody who's going to take it to the next level. So during that time, we we really framed a conversation of what does it take to develop a perfect school? And if you think about it, there's no right or wrong answer to it. It's really how we as a community, as a business, as students, as a school, really unite together to make that happen and become reality. 
And, right. you know, unfortunately, we focus on the limitations of things. And, and I purposely made it a fictional book because I really want to draw the reader in just like Andy Weir did with the Martian and make them feel like, can we actually do this and, yeah. and change that mindset from can we to should we and now will we? And that was the purpose of it is, is to take a blank check that a donor has given um, to a principal who's tired of the education system and allowed him to reinvent society through the brick and mortar that teachers and students go through on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, in my experience, teachers know what to do. Uh, I'm not sure we're very good at giving them the tools and the ability and the, and the leverage to do the things they, they could be doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that um, it doesn't take some dream thinking to make things happen. Well, teachers are definitely pivotal, and they are the experts to make it happen. But a lot of teachers fail to tie in workplace readiness. And it's not necessarily because of their fault. It's because the businesses need to update the skill sets of the employees to be able to do today's job and tomorrow's job. So there's a disconnect there. And what we have to do is we have to leverage our partnerships with the businesses and, and just basically work side by side to deliver the pedagogy and the skill sets to get the kids from diplomas to dollars. I mean, that's, that's really what it should be doing. Um, that's one of my personal experiences that I regret doing when I was a teacher is I, I had a pure math degree, but I had no work experience because I came straight out of college. And if we are able to do that, think about the lives that you're going to change along the way. Well, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And introducing or maybe not introducing because there's lots of great concepts out there, but helping to promote some great concepts like the hands-on learning or field learning. So um, a friend of mine who lives in Hawaii, uh, Mike Richards, started the uh, Science Camps of America. And what he does every summer is he runs a hands-on field science camp on the big island where he brings over, I don't know, he usually has 50, 60 kids. And they, they study everything about science in the laboratory that is the big island of Hawaii. And it's... He says it just blows his mind to watch the kids from, you know, day one to day 14, how they, everything about them transforms as they discover things with their fingernails, you know? It's uh, it's really a wonderful process. And see, he's actually seeing how powerful it can be. You know, in, in my years as, as an educator, I think kids are smarter now than ever. And the problem is, we don't have the ability as a society to direct them and channel that curiosity and um, intrigue that they have into the right directions. And when you put things like STEM and student-centered learning in the center of a classroom, that's when you're going to see the things like your friend is seeing right there. And that's what everybody should be doing even businesses should be making 
their professional development more employee centered, just like teachers should make things student centered. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what's, what sort of things are, are in your dream? Give, give me an idea of uh, what, the, what the world looks like in this alternate universe that's so close we could maybe even make it happen. Well, in the dream, I, I think, number one, you know, we've got to give teachers the autonomy to do what's right. And I'm not saying that they don't have the autonomy, but at the same time, I think they need more exposure to the world. Science teachers, let's just take a biologist, for example. A biologist really needs an externship in, you know, a place where they can actually bring those lessons back into the classroom. Or a mathematician would be working on coding with somebody from NASA and bringing it back in the classroom. You know, that's, that to me is inspirational because they're actually seeing so many applications of it. I think the other thing is we have to find ways to amplify. We've got to get teachers more resources. And, and I'm not talking about textbooks. I'm talking about electron microscopes. We're talking 3D printers. You know, we're talking wind tunnels, uh, UAVs, the drones, you know, all kinds of things that will really spark their imagination and, and just take learning to the next level. I think we also need to think about how we can equip kids with the skill sets as early as elementary school. Unfortunately, too far and too often careers are thought about at the high school level. And if you can plant those seeds early on, it basically generates self-drive a lot sooner. And that is really the secret of any successful entrepreneur, much less any successful student. Well, right. And talking about planting seeds, I, I'm seeing in some areas where they're literally planting seeds of education, where uh, there's more gardening going on in the schools and they're teaching kids gardening. And, and that becomes math, science, history, uh, engineering, yeah. uh, uh, tech. I mean, it becomes you go out and build a school garden, you, you have to learn all of those things and tie all those things together uh, and have the satisfaction of growing something and the satisfaction of uh, eating your reward, right? So uh, I'm yeah. seeing more and more schools doing that. And that seems like a, a fabulous approach that, uh, uh, you know, I wish more people were working on. Well, and, and it is, I mean, to me, that's brilliant. You know, because they're taking the resources that they have and they're maximizing the opportunities. And while they're doing that, the teachers are actually instilling things like respect, patience, those skill sets that you need anywhere. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's therapeutic because they're getting to see the fruits of their labor or the vegetables of their labor, if you're part of the pot. Right. Um, really be cultivated into something that is just way cool for kids. You know, I, I can see my own kids right now when we have a garden, they love going out there every day just to see how big it's growing and, and go water it without me having to remind them because they know that there's care involved in it. Yeah. You know, bravo. I mean, well, and some of the other programs that I, that I think are fabulous is where, is where they're teaching, um, how to handle animals. And in particular, you mm -hmm. see that mostly in 4-H programs. But I've also seen uh, 
what I th- what I thought was uh, where people are ha- starting to handle dogs now too, where the the class has a dog for a couple days, uh, and they have to learn how to deal with the challenges of that, and they have to you know have a team to take care of the dog, and and they get that emotional feedback, and uh, from from what I've seen of the few programs I've heard about, it it just really it speaks to the kids in a way that you can't in a lesson, so to speak. So Aaron, I was, uh, I was talking a little bit about uh, pets in the classroom and dogs in the classroom. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know some folks who've done uh, therapeutic work with horses, with kids and the, the change in them was dramatic. And I've, and I, and I know of some people who've, uh, used dogs in the classroom and uh, taught the kids how to handle them and work with them and and again built lessons around all of that in uh, all kinds of uh, areas of study and things like that are really real for the kids and I, I wish we could do more of that it seems to make sense to me anyway oh absolutely because they're using their senses you know they're using touch smell you know and you know sight obviously and the more you do that the more you're connecting the learning all together um and i'm sure you're familiar with eggerdale's uh cone of learning where it says 10 percent is what we see or what we hear and then it goes all the way up to 90 100 percent of what you think do act and really synthesize into your own uh, repertoire things yeah. and you're connecting all those thoughts together when you're doing things like working with animals or, or planting the garden. Yeah. So uh, I think we have so many ways of, of reaching down into, you know, kids potential and kids uh, interest in learning. And I, I hope everyone who's involved in that keeps keeps working towards that, you know, like the work you're doing with your books and your talks. So what, what's one of your big priorities now that you're working on in this next month or so? Well, it, it's to continue the dream and, and just have conversations like you and I and, and just reminding people that, you know, life changes with education. And we're here on this earth to make our lives better you know, and to help the person along the way. And, and more importantly, you know, a lot of people think that it's just one person and you can only do but so much, but think about what happens when you start giving just a little bit to the school. And, and I'm not talking about dollars. I'm talking about maybe if you just spent some time, you know, in the classroom volunteering, or if you had a resource you could share with them, everybody started doing that. You're, you're going to take that school and, and that, those dreams light years from where they are today. So, you know, part of my transition is to find people, whether it's conferences, LinkedIn, you know, wherever, and share this mission that it's the dream is not impossible. We can work together and make it reality. Yeah. And there's so many people working on it. I know my my kids were at a Montessori school when they were little for, I don't know, year, two, three years. And it was so fun to watch that approach and, and how the kids reacted there. Uh, and I know other people who, 
you know, have kids now that are in schools that have somewhat of a different approach, but you know, there's so many people working on, on so many good things. Do you think we're getting to a tipping point where we're going to find these innovative uh, programs catching some wind? I think so. You know, and, and you look at it like this, everybody has a kitchen and there's some things people cook better than others. So what you do is you find out who cooks what the best and you share that. And that's the way I look at it is, is the more we can network, the more we can mm -hmm. build upon each other, you know, the stronger everybody's kitchen and cooking gets better. Right. And, you know, whether it's steam or STEM or steam H you know, whatever it is, you know, find that strength and just you push that thing out as best as you can. You capture what you can along the way and then you just keep developing, rehashing it and making better. I mean, that's that's really what great entrepreneurs did. When you look, think of people like, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos mm -hmm. and all the things he's done along the way. It started off with a dream and he just kept cooking and cooking and look where he is now. Well, right. You just got to stay in the kitchen if you want your sauce to be tasty, right? You got to keep trying. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. If you want that sauce perfect, you just stay in there and you don't give up until it's done right. Yes, and it's, it's really fun to see. So what, what sort of innovative programs are, are, are you seeing right now that uh, make, you, make you hopeful? I think one thing is, you know, artificial intelligence is starting to come to life. And I like how people are really giving it much thought into how we can incorporate that into classes now. And it's, it's being done a little bit more predominant on the college level because that's where the grants are. That's where the research is. But I think in the next 10 years, that's going to be down on the classroom level. You know, we're starting to do some of that now and, and, and just seeing how that's going to open up eyes and open up a whole new set of doors that people have never even discovered before. When our kids are in the, the simulators and, and we have a simulator where I work at for aviation, you know, when they got in there, it, it was a whole different regime. We had four we gotten all at once and you know, the funny thing is they were connecting them all together through hotspots before I even turned around and knew it. And <laughs> we're talking about less than one day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what in the world are y'all doing? And I wasn't mad at them, but I was like, why? And they said, we all want to connect them from the same airport. And, you know, you think about it in the piloting thing, that's exactly what you want them to do is you want them to talk and communicate amongst one another. And they were taking it already to the level of a area that I hadn't even thought about yet. And, right. you know, that's the beauty of this is we can equip kids to do anything as long as they have the resources and, you know, the knowledge to get them to that level. It is fun to see, isn't it? When they, when they catch something and start working on it and then you go, I had no idea you could do that, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it admires, you know, I'm just in so awe of them. And, you know, I had a kid four or five years ago. He actually hacked into our school system accidentally. 
And he showed her tech. He said, um, yeah, you've got a, a, a hole. You've got a hole in your firewall. And it's like, no, you don't. He said, well, come back here and let me show you. And sure enough, he did. You know, and things like that is, is the great way to show perseverance and, and intelligence because they're, they're doing things for the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, it's really, it's really fun to see. So, so where mm-hmm. can people go to, to get your books there and, or to find out more about what you're doing? Well, uh, you know, my books are going to be on Amazon. So awakening your STEM school, that's a paperback. And of course you can get it as an ebook. Um, blank check will be, um, with a, uh, ebook for now. And then- Well, you were, you were telling us how, how people can find your two books and how they can find out more information about what you're working on. Yes. Um, Awakening Your STEM School and uh, Blank Check are going to be on Amazon. And, of course, my website is wr.solutions. Uh, Twitter's at Work Readiness. LinkedIn is just uh, Aaron Smith. All right, wr.solutions. So what, what can we do as employers to uh, help educators bring people to us work ready? One is they've got to be in constant communication with the schools and the colleges. The career days are a nice, I, I call it a flavor, but really to make an impact, you really need to have some great conversations that reflect not only around the student, but as the teachers as well, because if the teachers aren't trained to look for the needs of what recruiters are looking for, it's going to go right over their heads. The other thing that they have to do is they have to embed the skill sets for the workplace in the curriculum and the lessons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the only thing that, they're going to do is follow the curriculum. And if nobody sits down and shows them that, how else are they going to take the kids to the next level? Right. So we're going to have to get off our behinds and get into schools, aren't we? We are. And, and I say we, because schools are part of the solution and, you know, schools need to reach out and understand that it is just as important for schools to touch base, just like it is for the communities to touch base. You, you can't have one without the other and expect to be successful. No, that makes sense. Uh, you know, we, we can't expect uh, students and teachers to work on something we're not talking to them about. No, that's right. That's right. Because otherwise you're just throwing darts at a wall and you might get lucky and hit one. But most of the time, you're going to be way off target. Yeah, and I know I've, I've hired a lot of people over the years, and uh, I feel like some have come to me more prepared than others. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, as, I, as I sit and think back about it, I could complain about people not being work ready, or I could maybe start working on it a little bit. So what are some resources for employers to – to start thinking about how they're going to help educators help their kids to be more work ready. Well, you know, if, if we threw uh, money out of the equation, 
I think the first thing we have to do is allow teachers to shadow some of the employees and follow what they're doing in the jobs every day. And while we're doing that, you know, the next time there's a curriculum rewrite, I think they need to reciprocate it and, and ask them and say, what are some of the things that you see here through this list that is essential to this particular job at your company? And can you cite specific examples and where that's where the teacher can either water it down based upon the level or really ratchet it up? You know, if it's a higher level, let's say a calculus type of class. Right. The other thing they have to do is look and see if there's any kind of shadowing or internships for the kids. You can easily mm -hmm. grow a lot of students in your backyard, and who knows, they're going to be your next mechanics. Right. They're going to be your, um, you know, frontline workers. They're going to be your next Wi-Fi people. And, you know, why not get a great angle and it's, it's going to be a minimal cost, if no cost. You know, I always try to promote internships without cost because that always seems to be the number one excuse why people can't do it. Yeah. Um, I think the third thing is when a company has an epiphany with a new product or a discovery that they've seen, I, I think they need to share it within the community, especially like the chamber. We were talking a little bit about how teachers can shadow employers and employers can shadow teachers. And yep. I think that's a great reciprocation. T tell me more about that. Well, in the summertime or whenever teachers really have a, a good period of time is allow them to do some things that is going to be very um, eye provoking. And, and I say that because everybody's got paperwork to do, but, go in the labs. Let's just say a biologist can go in the labs and see what's going on or a marine biologist is take them out, you know, and let them fly the drones and see how they're, you know, uh, monitoring habitats and environmental uh, impacts and stuff. That is huge because they can come up with so many ideas to tap back into the classroom yeah. and vice versa. You know, if companies would allow professionals to go in and co-teach with the the actual teacher you know that is such a win-win because you have a specialist who can deliver it and then you have another specialist who's living it and doing it day by day so then it creates a whole utopic environment where kids are just not going to want to leave the classroom yeah that makes a ton of sense that really makes a lot of sense um, I like that idea. Uh, and we do, you know, we do fellowships for all kinds of things. So why not fellowships for uh, teachers to work with companies and uh, companies to work in the schools? Well, it, it, to me, it's a no brainer. And see, the, another benefit for the companies is when you have people learning how to become a teacher that don't have the teacher background, they then learn some of those traits and can help professional development within the company. Right. And they, you know, you're not just reading off a PowerPoint, you're actually engaging the employees by getting them to do some relevant and meaningful tasks and not just, you know, the old Ferris Bueller, uh, Ben Stein scene where he's going Bueller, 
Bueller and Voodoo Economics. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a, and that's a good illustration, I think. That's pretty neat. <laughs> well, I think, I think we've had some, uh, some good things to talk about. And uh, I think if everyone would go to wr.solutions, they'll get a better idea of what you're talking about. And then look for your books on Amazon. Uh, there are they both out now? Um, the awakening is, and then the blank check should be out by this summer. All right, summer. awakening and blank check. All right, Aaron, thanks so much for being on the Troncast with me and talking about uh, getting ready for the next generation of innovators and uh, leaders. And good luck to them. And thanks so much for your work on that. Uh, well, appreciate thank you being you. with me. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to me. It was a lot of fun, Tron. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Aaron. I hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Take care. What do you do for sales training and team building exercises? What do you do for customer service training and team building exercises? I know you're trying all kinds of things and there's some good stuff out there. But I swear, if anyone ever asks me to do another trust fall, my brain's gonna explode. So let's come up with something different. I've been trying to find something different for a while. And I thought, well, why not? Let's come up with a sales training game or a customer service training game, something fun that everyone can get into and that they can laugh about and challenge each other and poke each other a little bit and feel some of the emotional ups and downs that you get when you're in customer service and sales. So I went to a game jam uh, headed up by the local regional economic development group here in Columbia and Boone County, Missouri. And I met uh, a group of game developers and we had so much fun that we ended up creating a game called Starship Junkyard, which is a great and hilarious way to do team building for your businesses, for your sales teams, for your customer service teams. And it's turned out to be just a great family and friends game too. Something you can sit down and play for half an hour or an hour or a great pub game. It's hilarious. It's called Starship Junkyard. And you can find it on Facebook at uh, the Starship Junkyard, the card game. You can buy it on thegamecrafter.com. Go to thegamecrafter.com and look up Starship Junkyard and buy a copy and play it. It's hilarious. So try that for your next team building exercise. Try that for your next sales training meeting. Sit down and play Starship Junkyard and you will be happy you did. Go check it out on Facebook, Twitter. Go buy the game at thegamecrafter.com. The Starship Junkyard, the card game. Thank you.